Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Brooke, and we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. It's time to reconnect with your peers at the world's largest hybrid gathering of meetings, events, and hospitality professionals only at Cvent Connect. As the world moves towards recovery, Cvent Connect 2021 will usher in a new golden age of events as a fully reimagined hybrid event experience that accommodates any attendee preference, in person or virtual. Choose to join from your couch, your car, your office, or at the all-new Caesars Forum, August 1st through 4th, 2021. Register now at cvent.com slash connect, and we'll see you there. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another podcast episodes where we're digging into this hybrid experience at Cvent Connect, and we get to talk to all of the meetings and events planners. Today, we have three of my favorites. I say that every time, but you guys really are great. You are my, my top favorites. We have Paulina Giusti, who we've seen before in a couple of other episodes. She's the Senior Meetings and Events Manager. How's it going, Paulina? Great. Excited to be here, Brooke. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad to have you back. Kayla, this is your first time. So Kayla Summers, the Senior Meetings and Events Planner. How's it going? Going great. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, a little uh, video chat this morning. And Lauren Allison, our Meetings and Events Lead. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Brooke. So I'm just going to jump right into this. We're going to talk a little bit more about the venue, the AV company, the sponsors, the exhibitors. I know you guys do a lot when it comes to Cement Connect. And I can only imagine how complex venue contracting or probably recontracting, right, has been and was. We were able to dig that a little bit more into that in episode one, Paulina, when we talked to you and Rachel. But Kayla, I was hoping maybe you could help shed some light more on sourcing vendor contracts. Yeah. So I think when it comes to, you know, sourcing our vendors this year, we of course kind of shortlisted to the folks that we've worked with in the past. This was a, we got to get it right type of situation. So we really focused on folks that we had existing relationships with that we felt like we would be able to really focus on the, the production and the strategy. But as far as anything that has been different was we really doubled down on kind of explaining the strategy from A to Z, explaining our goals and explaining everything of what we were really looking for. And the hope was we really wanted those proposals to come back and nail exactly what we were looking for. So I think that was super important this time around. And we really took that extra step to make sure that we were communicating exactly what we were looking for so that we were already jumping off the gun with a really good start when we got those proposals in hand. That's awesome. Doing a little bit of that pre-work, giving everybody the context because it's like a whole new year and definitely a whole new event this year, looking at it from the hybrid angle. And with all of the different, you know, evolving safety standards and everything people keep in mind when they go out into public, I can imagine you guys had to take that into account when you were looking at the layout for this event as well. How did you work with the venue or the AV companies to help make sure that everybody would be safe and secure and and feel like that the safety standards were kept in mind? That's a fantastic question, Brooke. Honestly, you know, diagramming in and of itself for a conference floor plan is is challenging just to begin with. So then taking that extra layer and adding the health and safety factor at this stage, I think, you know, we're kind of across the board in terms of different comfort thresholds, right? We've got some people who are just eager to get back and hug and go back to the way things were. We've got people who are kind of middle of the road, still kind of, you know, might be their first conference back. They're kind of taking it, you know, dipping their toe in the water a little bit. And then there's other people who are kind of like, you know what, I'm very health conscious. I kind of want to see how things work out. I'm still very much of the mask camp. 
And so we want to make sure that our floor plan and really the conference offering reflects a, a variety of comfort levels, those, those thresholds that I was just describing. And so we are being pretty deliberate in, in understanding where these intentional places can be that can accommodate those thresholds. And it's been wonderful working with Caesars Forum and Caesars Entertainment and, and understanding you know what they're doing to accommodate things just as like a baseline and how we can iterate off of what their baseline offering is to make certain other thresholds feel a little more comfortable. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, alignment, having that really clear line of communication across all vendors and kind of sticking to it. We know that, you know, as things can modify over time, guidelines change, things can become more lenient, things can become more strict. And so we're trying to take a very agile approach to it. But ultimately, we want to make sure that our conference floor plan reflects both a very clean and intuitive attendee experience on site, a safe experience on site, and obviously something super in, you know, inspirational for our attendees to take back with them and incorporate in their future strategies. So a lot of work has been you know, going into it. I think you know, C-Vent diagramming has been a lifesaver for us. We've been able to partner with all of our vendors, venue, expo, AV within the tool to say, this is how we think it's going to work. Let us know if you have any feedback, do it in the tool in real time, shoot us a note so that we can keep this thing, you know, in constant motion and, and evolving as things change. So it's been a real key in our planning success for sure. Yeah, I think we were in a meeting the other day, Paulina, and you pulled up that diagramming tool. And it was so easy to see where everything was going to be, what the flow was going to be like. I imagine you spent a lot of time with Caesars, with the venue, putting that together. I mean, I know that those relationships are, are super valuable for you guys with both the venue and the vendor. And you rely heavily on that when it comes to an event like Cement Connect. Now this year it's hybrid, right? So we're taking the content outside of the four walls or 12 walls that Caesars has to a bigger audience. And there's a lot of different capabilities, you know, technologies that you needed from the venue in order to do that. Any challenges or opportunities that you saw arise or how did you approach that with Caesars? I'll speak from the, the venue perspective and then these ladies can, can certainly supplement with their unique programming pieces that they own. But I think the biggest thing for us is we, you know, Caesars Forum is, is brand new. So we're already working with state-of-the-art meeting space, obviously internet, electrical capabilities. I mean, some of the meeting rooms have individual lighting spotlights already built into the meeting room, right? We're not just turning the lights on and maybe warming it up or cooling it down. There are so many nice feature enhancements that this new facility offers. So that has been a super amazing additive just by way of working with a brand new venue, right? But I think internet and bandwidth is something of major concern for us. We're looking to live stream a number of sessions and in partnership with our, our production company, we want to make sure that you know, we're mitigating risk everywhere in every way, right? So I think, Kayla, if there's elements you'd like to add in terms of partnering with the AV team and... and yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you know, I think a common thing is if when you haven't started, you know, yet and you're trying to understand, okay, what is a hybrid event in, in a space? And, and everyone may think there might be some challenges within the physical structures. But I think the common misconception is when you do a hybrid event, there's this special hybrid equipment or needs that, that you need to outfit or, or plan for. And 
kind of to Paulina's point, it's kind of invisible stuff. It's it's software, it's the machines, it's it's what's going to be able to take what's going on in that room and get it to to where it's going. So I would say, you know, outside of the the venue, the production team and who you're working with, as long as you've got a production company that's, you know, able to source everything that you need in order to produce the proper broadcast, you're going to be in good hands and they're going to point you in that right direction. So you don't need to know all the things as long as you have a great production partner. Absolutely. Lauren, what about you from the sponsors and exhibitors side of things? So it's kind of unique because I don't have to work with our vendor for the sponsor and exhibitor side of the house. It's more internal training. So I've learned with these virtual or hybrid components, we think everyone is comfortable with video chats or with using technology, but a lot of people are still getting used to it. So it's a lot more onboarding I found in this past year to make sure all of your sponsors and exhibitors feel comfortable with the virtual platform. They also want to know what their branding is going to look like there. So a lot more kind of alignment with making sure you show them the updated kind of interface and I've seen a lot of their creative teams need to kind of redo their materials because they want to show them off in the best way possible, but their images or what they thought would look right doesn't. So I think my side, it's a lot more trainings and onboarding. And then from the sponsors and exhibitors, it's just understanding how they're going to showcase themselves to your attendees. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it makes total sense. So I want to dig in more to the this AV part of it because it's, again, just not like live streaming necessarily the session, every session out to your virtual audience. When you thought about who you were going to work with on this big AV piece, because it does play such a bigger role this year, how did that sourcing conversation happen? Sounds like, Kayla, you mentioned, you know, if you have a really great production team, they can kind of steer you in the right direction. But what did you guys do? I think kind of going back to that point of the partnership, but I think collaboration is something that was crucial this year. Having somebody that you're not only just bringing to the table and understanding the ideas, but making sure that they're providing exactly what you need from the gaps that you don't know. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for me uh, this time around is we need to understand we don't know everything and having someone to say, okay, this is exactly the look that we're going for. Like, for example, in our frames, we know that we don't want just a picture in picture. We want to make sure that we're able to have secondary content um, and being able to have different and dynamic layouts. That was something that was a top priority to us. So being able to communicate that and for them to say, okay, you're going to be needing X, Y, and Z. So that was like super crucial. And being able to take that feedback and say, okay, maybe we're looking for something a little bit more and then to come back and say, all right, this is what we're going for. That was a huge part of our process, uh, especially when we were going through that kind of negotiating and, and getting to the nitty gritty of things as we close to the end of making a final decision on our vendor. I think just to add a little, little more there is making sure that the RFP that you're sending out to the providers that you know you will be prospectively working with is really clear in the types of production that you would like to showcase. So for us, we prioritized, you know, three call it almost four types of produced experiences. And so understanding both from a capability standpoint, you know, this production requires XYZ equipment and personnel we also need to keep on, you know, on track what our budget can afford. And so it's also being able to, to kind of weigh the pros and cons of the varying production environments, but ensuring that that maps nicely to what your event goals are, right? Is, is your goal to reach the largest, broadest audience? And by way of doing that, is it live streaming? 
or are the majority of your key engaged customers, members, constituents, whatever your audience type may be, is it are they going to be on site? And do you need to just really focus on a well-produced on-site breakout room? So it's it's making sure that you're marrying both the hopes and dreams of what you want it to look like with your budget and then obviously with your, your core event goals. Yeah, it's just this recurring theme I'm hearing from you guys, which is like having a really clear vision of what you want this event to look like and being able to communicate that to all of these vendors that you're working with and help them see exactly what you're trying to do. And I can imagine you guys attended a lot of other events, probably not in person because we're still getting back to that. But things like coming to a C-Event Connect and seeing what is possible can be really inspiring for planners to then build their vision for their next event. I will throw in there, you know, sure, we're committed to our plans and we've laid out a really great strategy, but we've had to be pretty nimble in terms of making some changes on the fly, last minute modifications. So there's also that piece, but, you know, event planners are used to that. So yeah, have your vision, but be willing to shift a little bit based on what's actually possible. The new, not having the a new hologram word, this year. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We all overset in 2020. Pivot. Pivot. There we go. I love it. And I know I I keep going back, you know, because I've been in all these meetings too about the actual sessions that are taking place. And it seems as though not every session is created equal. There are different production values based on the content that's being presented and the audience you're trying to get that to. How did you guys approach that? How did you decide which pieces or which programming elements get what kind of production? This was a bit of a bear. And I think I've probably talked about this on other podcasts, but we had some some core principles, tracks, if you will. And, and we have a pretty good sense as to what the you know larger audience would be interested in. We, we kind of prioritized our content, if you will. And we wanted to understand, you know, based on registration uptick in certain sessions, it makes sense for this session to take place on-site because majority of the on-site registrants are clearly selecting this session versus... Virtual only sessions, you know, those are available on demand. Obviously, our in-person audience has access to everything. So we were pretty deliberate in which content was made available to which audience in real time, knowing that the beauty of a hybrid event, you have access to content on demand at your leisure. I will say that, you know, we took what our our heavy hitting content, the, you know, year over year stats have been really helpful in terms of understanding what's popular versus not, right? So we took all of that, you know, year over year data from in-person events, from our virtual event last year, from even webinars and said, look, we 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 project that this content is going to be the most deeply consumed or desired. Let's put it on a stream stage and make it available to the in-person audience at the same time as the virtual audience. And then, you know, for our most engaged registrants, you know, perhaps they are predominantly customers. We put a lot of customer content for the in-person only experience. And then those virtual only sessions, we took that sort of top of funnel approach, right? Like not sure if everyone is interested in it or know that a large subset is, this is applicable to everyone. We made that available via virtual only or pre-recorded content. So a pretty intentional strategy. We'll see how it works out. I imagine some things might get a little gritty at the end, but you know, shifting things around from from one room to the next. But like I said, that's also part of the gig. Just because it's hybrid doesn't mean rooms are going to change because interest changes. So that was our strategy from the outset. That makes sense. Sounds like a really good strategy. 
you really caught my attention with the top of funnel, you know, and saying, you know, this is the content we really want, but we're going to produce this a little bit differently than we would the CEO standing on stage doing his welcoming. Let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk about sponsorship strategy. And Lauren, I think you're, you're the key person to talk to here. You now have sponsors who are in person, you have your virtual offering. How did you approach that this year? And how did you help everyone understand what offerings were available and get that buy-in from our sponsors and exhibitors? So we got really creative when we were planning C Event Connect Virtual last year with our sponsorship offerings. And I think that showed us that this hybrid world is a time for you to get creative and come up with new ideas. So we did a lot of brainstorming. You know, Paulina came up with some really great ideas last year, but it gives you a little bit more flexibility. You still have some attendees who aren't comfortable necessarily traveling in person and you have sponsor companies who, who feel the same way. So I really like those virtual offerings. You now have attendees who are streaming sessions from their computer. So adding ad packages before sessions, things like that are a really easy way to get a lot of visibility for your sponsors and provide a lot of branding for them and kind of a low impact. It doesn't involve a lot of work for them. You know, I'm sure a lot of companies that are potentially sponsoring have videos or assets that they could showcase. That's an easy way to get in front of people. I also think you have people who are all in on coming on site and they do want to have that virtual sponsorship as well. So we have quite a few who are actually coming to our event in person with activations or are exhibiting and they also are having a presence at our virtual trade show. So it's really just opened up kind of the offerings and allowed us to get creative based on what the sponsor is interested in. It just depends on you know the ROI that they're looking for. Yeah. And speaking of ROI, how did you help them see the value in, I mean, realistically, some of these things, these sponsorship opportunities that we haven't done before. So you don't kind of have that historical data to show them. I think our past attendance at Event Connect and our customers really speak for themselves. That does really help us with the caliber of attendees we typically have. And our attendee also offers a lot of really great opportunities for ROI for our sponsors. So some of the new features that rolled out this year, sponsors can in real time download the information of people who have interacted with their content on their company pages or have viewed their assets that they've uploaded. So I think just showing them that they can download these reports with the click of a button in real time is hugely beneficial in showing them the ROI. If you're coming in person, obviously one-on-one meetings with our attendees are what you go after. So just letting them know the technology that we have for them to either pre-schedule appointments with attendees or scan their name badges shows them that they'll be able to easily and neatly collect all the information. So I think those kind of just do a really nice job of showing the historical attendance data of our event and then all the ways that they can get the data of who's interacting with their profiles and company pages just really helps in improving that ROI. Totally. Yeah. And when I was looking at, you know, some of the technology, obviously the Cvent platform, the attendee hub, I mean, there's some really cool, like passive lead opportunities there where you don't even have to have someone manning the booth. So I'm sure this has opened up a whole bunch of new offerings for them. Yeah. So attendees can request more information and they would just send you kind of a little email and you would get that message in the back end of your lead capture account or downloading your collateral or watching your video, you can now see who does that as well. So it's really nice to be able to see anyone who's really interacted with that content. 
You can also use it since we do launch our attendee hub a few weeks before the event. You know, see what they're interacting with. It might help you change your sponsor strategy. If everyone's downloading collateral instead of watching the videos you upload, you might want to upload different PDFs or more collateral. So I think it's nice to give them eyes onto what people are actually consuming of the content they upload. It's really cool. What has the response been from the exhibitors and sponsors you've talked to? Is everybody really excited to try this hybrid approach? Everyone's really excited to try the hybrid approach. I mean, I know our team, especially, everyone's ready to go back to events. So I think it's really exciting seeing the excitement that's in the industry with coming back to Cvent Connect. I mean, I miss the miles we walked on the trade show floor in the conference center. And I don't know if I'm going to be ready for it, but... Same girl, same. I'm not sure if I'm going to be ready for that either. And I have to get my good shoes out. Well, thank you all for joining on this podcast. It's really interesting to talk to the people who are actually planning this event. I can't wait to see it live and in person and virtually. Before we go, how about we go round robin and just one quick piece of advice that you would give to a planner who is just starting to think about planning their next hybrid event. Kayla, I'm going to start with you. I would say explore any and all possibilities. Even if it's like, just just know what's out there and then you can go from there and go down into what's your budget and what's what's realistic. But I learned that the exploration phase and the discovery phase is, is really important and actually inspires you. And so there's a lot of ideas that, that have been spawned from kind of just exploring what's out there and what's possible and how you can take your content to that next level. So I would say go for it and wanderlust out there. Oh, I love that. Dream big. I love it. Paulina, what about you? I think kind of tied to that recommendation, do your due diligence. But of course, as you start to map out your program, you know, you don't have to think of it as two separate events. It's important to you know, stay the course, understand what's important. It doesn't have to be a one-to-one interpretation of what's happening on-site needs to be reflected on virtual and of course, vice versa, right? So just keep your goals and your priorities top of mind as you start to evaluate all those really creative ideas. But yeah, don't sell yourself short, embrace really new ideas and just keep in mind how you can mitigate risk. So that's what I got for you today. Yeah, that's great advice. Tomorrow. We'll check back with you later on that. Yeah, see how that all went. Lauren, what about you? I think with sponsors and exhibitors, one thing is to always be able to show them your vision. It might make perfect sense and you might have a clear image of it in your head, but it doesn't always translate when you're talking. So anything you can do to mock up a website or mock up an attendee hub page to just show them what they're offering would look like, I think goes a long way and just shows to that sponsor or exhibitor that you're there to help them have the best experience. So yeah, I love to see anything visualized. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that sounds like really great advice. Well, thank you all again and really good luck. Only a few more weeks right? <laughs> until the big event. Yeah. So, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll touch back with you guys after the event and just kind of see how it went and see if there's any new advice that you can give our audience. But until then, uh, have a really great event. Thanks all. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks.